No Drama present Court and Call, episode two. Topic this week will be a radio play, Hard Boiled, by Mr. Jonathan Shortle. Nothing beats a good detective noir piece with a bit of good-natured humour too. So let's take a break from all the bad news and give you something to enjoy and cherish. Our beloved play, written and directed by the one and only Jonathan Shorthall, will be our No Drama Podcast Court and Call for this month, and we hope it will be the first of many radio plays. Originals too. As a radio play, we couldn't be more excited. And if that's not enough, it will include all original cast members. As some of you may know, Johnny is a full-time recovering solicitor and only dabbles in writing part-time. Yeah, right, could have fooled us. He's being modest. He says lockdown has changed many things in his life, but it's only made his passion and love for all things dramatic. He is delighted that no drama have asked him to revisit Hardboiled for a tour time, I might add. And who knows, maybe something can come of it. Maybe he said Hollywood could come knocking. Times and hopes that bring a dose of some much-needed laughter to all that listen. He would like to thank Declan K. Charlotte Malcolm for agreeing to sign up for one last outing in the world of Hardboiled. A wonderfully written and produced Detective Noir audio play for radio. It's going to be great fun. There's a speed limit in this state, Mr. Neff. 45 miles an hour. How fast was I going, officer? I'd say around 90. Suppose you get down off your motorcycle and give me a ticket. Suppose I let you off with a warning this time. Suppose it doesn't take. Suppose I have to whack you over the knuckles. Suppose I bust out crying and put my head in your shoulder. Suppose you try putting it on my husband's shoulder. That tears it. Oh, gotta love those double entendres. You're like me and you like anything that's detective, murder mystery, or suspenseful drama, you're gonna like hard-boiled. Once again... Written by the wonderfully talented Jonathan Shorthall and starring the equally talented and wonderful Declan Ryan, Kate Cosgrave, Malcolm Bolton and Charlotte Keating. And without further ado, I present Harboyle. Even fewer in the life of a private eye. But those things that are, you can put your house on and still call it a smart bet. A dame with a problem is hazardous to the health. Good whiskey would instantly improve any predicament you happen to find yourself in, and a, a crap one only more slowly. And clients would inevitably choose the worst possible time to walk into your life and turn it upside down. It was already a turbulent night, and I wasn't talking about the storm falling out from overhead. I've been hitting the bars hard and 
some of the people in them even harder. I walked these city streets long enough that I could read her like an open book. I didn't much care for the words I was seeing. Debauchery, desperation, despair. Kind of words that make a man question the logic behind not grabbing the first train out of this scum hole and never looking back. Despite his love of alliteration. So it was quite an understatement to say the last thing I wanted was a new client. Least of all one in stilettos. Especially one who didn't have the courtesy to give me her name or her number. I knew where she was leading me before she even opened her mouth. And I damn well knew for sure I didn't want to be the one with my hand on her waist when the music stopped. But after she pushed forward the fee she was willing to pay on a beer-stained bar napkin, I hadn't even finished counting the zeros before I heard those familiar... Your words escape my mouth. My office. 20 minutes. Come alone. Hey, boss. That's Donna, my intern. I don't pay her a dime. She doesn't ask for anything but a thank you and a reference at the end of the tale. I thought she was crazy wanted this game, and I told her any time I thought she might listen. But the kid had her mind set on it, and I just couldn't say no to a sweet smile and a perky pair of... You know I can hear you when you talk like that, right? She was a good kid, and her heart was in the right area, Cole, but my instincts told me she wasn't cut out for this life. Not that she lacked the brains, the looks, or the skill. She had proven herself handy at a scrap and could put two and two together and have an equal five if the situation warranted. But she just didn't understand the finer points. The stuff you can't find in a book. The things that... Can we please crack a window in here? The place reeks. See what I mean? How many times I gotta tell you, smell is humanity's most suggestive sense. Well then, can I suggest to you that maybe we would have more clients if the place didn't smell of whiskey and stale tobacco? Now what would that do to the atmosphere? Sense of place. Our clients come here with an expectation of what a private detective's office should be like. Traditions and tropes handed down for centuries that must be respected and presented if we are to deliver satisfaction. We charge not for the results, but for an experience that will stay with them for the rest of their miserable lives in this godforsaken hole. And another thing, could you please stop running down Seattle like that? This is a really nice city. Maybe you would notice if you stayed sober for longer than an hour, or at least drank someplace with a working light bulb. Listen, kid, better women than you have tried to change me. Oh, like who? Your mother? And Frank O'Hara's a man's man, a self-made man. And I'm repentant SOB that don't march the beat of any man's drum but his own. And all the dimes and dames this side of the Mississippi ain't gonna change that, capiche? Whatever. And another thing, I'm going to tell you about walking into a room talking like that. Like what? You know what. No, Frank. I'm not going to. You want to be a detective, don't you? Yeah, but... Then you got to start acting like one. Talking like one. Fine. As soon as I came in, the office's repugnance hit my nose like a... a runaway train... Uh, it smelled like an ashtray that had been steeped in bourbon since Columbus discovered America. I felt hungry. I hated getting out of bed this early and not having time to eat properly. And I thought about my date last night. God, he was cute. And a doctor, too. Stop, stop. What? Wasn't good monologuing? That was a stream of consciousness. And? Who cares? It's still a monologue, isn't it? It's modern as garbage is what it is. 
Look, I still don't understand what this has to do with solving crimes. Jesus, it's not about... Look, how are you going to walk through the clues? Go through a list of suspects and narrow it down to just a name. Come to sudden realization that breaks all case open. Summarize a suspicious situation in front of a colorful panel of suspects. How are you going to do any of that if you don't say it out loud and in an inquisitive tone? I don't know. Think about it in my head, maybe? Think about it in your, in your head. Oh, Christ. Look, I know you're not stupid enough to call me over to practice my monologues at this time of night, so do you mind telling me what's so fucking <clears throat> so gosh darn important that you had to drag a gal out of her bed of her bed at this hour? You got a case. Really? Wow. What happened? A murder? Burglary? A kidnapping? Dunno. Okay. Where are we going? What leads do we have? Who are we shaking down first? I don't know that either. I suppose a number or even a name for our client is out of the question. You would suppose right. So you took a case off a complete stranger at four o'clock in the morning without taking any contact or identification details and with no idea of what it would entail or who we would be up against. You ever considered a career as a narrator? Oh, let me try. All of a sudden, a red dress with blonde hair, blue eyes and plunging neckline bursts through the office door, chest heaving, prepared to do anything to get help from. Listen, I don't mind you breaking my balls now and then, but let's get one thing clear between me and you. Miss O'Hara raised nobody's do-eyed fool. When it comes to broads, I can see right through the fluttering eyelashes, just like... Oh, Mr. O'Hara! Oh, thank God I got here. You got lucky. I'm guessing you're hoping to as well? I thought I I was going to be killed too. Killed? Has someone been... Yes, my husband, and now the killer's after me. That's horrible, Mrs... Lockhart. Mrs. Lockhart. Oh, but I guess I'm back to playing old Miz again after tonight. <laughs> then came the waterworks. I always hate a crybaby, and I don't make any exceptions for clients just because they write the checks. I mean, sure, she had a great rack wrapped around those ribs and yams that went from here to heaven and never stopped to ask for directions. I just didn't make up for the fact that... Why is he talking about me in the past tense? Oh, it's nothing. He does it all the time. You get used to it. And yes, it did occur to me that I'd probably killed just about any chump that spent a long weekend lost in those eyes. Jesus, I thought to myself. She must plug them into a socket to charge at night. Mr. O'Hara, my husband has just died. I came here for your help. She was a pushy dame. Most dames are. Not a one of them ain't got a wagon of problems hitched behind them that ain't nothing more than to leave at your station. But she was in trouble. And I knew I was the only one in the world who could help her. I saw where this was going. I just didn't care. Maybe it was the whiskey talk. Maybe it was the fact that my ex-wife finally stopped pestering me for alimony money. Or maybe it was a spark I felt all over my body whenever we locked. Frank! What? Will you please shut up for five seconds so she can tell us what happened? Go ahead, Mrs. Lockhart. Thank you. But I guess you'd best start calling me Titania. Titania? That's, uh, that's an odd first name. 
Yes, well, when I married, I also changed my first name at my husband's insistence. Oh, Charles could be so romantic. Right. And generous, kind, and handsome, even at his age. Listen, lady, I'll cut to the chase, sir. Uh, how much older than you was he? He was to be 86 this December. <laughs> wow, that's, that's quite the age difference. I'm going to go ahead on a limb here and say that Charlie was a well-endowed gentleman. For your information, Mr. O'Hara, he was, but I hardly see what the size of my husband... I meant financially well-endowed, Mrs. Lockhart. (laughs) I can see where this is going, Mr. O'Hara. Charles and I grew used to having our love being doubted and questioned because of our ages, but we transcended all that and left the petty suspicioners to wallow in their own envy. To answer your question... Yes, my husband's wealth goes back generations. He was old money, if you will. And his fortune was still relatively intact, even after his six previous divorces. Six divorces? Yes, well, Charles could be quite fickle when it came to his affections. But that was until he met me. Someone who loved him for who he really was. I'm sure the size of his wallet had nothing to do with it. I signed a prenuptial, Mr. O'Hara. I proved my devotion to him. I didn't want Charles's money. I already had his heart. I'm sorry, Titania, but we seem to be going off track here. How do you know your husband was murdered? And why do you think the killer wants to hurt you, too? Well, I was at home. Charles and I had just returned from a social fundraiser for an animal orphanage. I went upstairs to get change into my nightgown while Charles said he was going to fix himself a nightcap. I had just finished getting ready for bed. Sorry, could I interject? Certainly. If you were just ready for bed, why do you still have your makeup on? Oh, well, this is night makeup. A girl's gotta look her best. You never know who you might meet in your dreams after all. Anyway, I was in the bedroom when I heard a horrible yell from downstairs. I ran down the stairs as fast as I could through the hall, and then I saw Charles on the floor of my kitchen. This happened in your own house, not his. Oh, I misspoke. No, it was our family home. Our kitchen floor, with a pool of blood underneath him. And and there was this huge man standing over him with one of our kitchen knives in his hand. He looked up at me and I I, I ran as as fast as I could out the door and he came straight after me. I managed to cover two acres of the estate when I finally lost him. Wait a minute. You outran a man who was trying to kill you over two acres of wet field in... Stilettos? Yes, well, I used to run cross-country as a youth. So you ran out, shook the guy. Then what? Well, I didn't know what to do. I was so frightened. But I did manage to flag a cab. I asked for the best private dick the driver knew of, and he said there was only one detective in this city with a full chamber left in his gun. Only, he didn't tell me you were also so handsome. 
Oh, God. Natch. But what about the man who witted you? Was he as good-looking as yours truly? Well, he was dressed in a black turtleneck, and he had a ski mask on, and it was dark, and there was so much blood everywhere. And, oh, Charles! 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 Don't you worry about a thing. Don't you worry about a thing. I swear whoever did this to you will be brought under the heel of justice, whether that's alive or full of lead. Now, please, try and think back. Think that terrible moment when you came down that stairs and realized you had become the most beautiful widow this detective ever had the pleasure to lay his eyes on. Well, like I said, I didn't get a good look at him, but I did manage to slip away with this. Do you think it might be... A clue? Well, that depends on what it is. It's the murder weapon. Ah! Oh, did I do something wrong? Hard boiled will return in a moment. The No Drama Shindig will be presented live via YouTube from 7.30pm on the 31st of October. Please log on and view it. You know you want to. <laughs> is her femme fatale tampering with the weapon? A widow Harris heart. Stick around to find out. Hard boiled part two. Only I thought you might need it to figure out who Yeah 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 you, you did well. You just surprised me a little, that's all. We can dust this for prints and get some hair fibers or um How did you manage to get it away from the murder scene without the killer noticing or fighting back? Oh well you see I Because according to my notes, you ran straight out the front door the second you laid eyes on the fella. Oh, that's right. Yes, he, he saw me running away and he threw it at me. It got lodged in the front door and so I yanked it out for protection and then I ran straight out. But then why is there blood dripping off the end and on this scarf? If it got lodged in the door, it would have wiped off most of the blood. And the blade isn't dulled at all from going through the wooden door. And how could a kitchen knife thrown at a distance even... Oh, no, Donna, let's not badger the lady with unnecessary questions. Can't you see that this poor, poor, albeit nouveau riche thing has gone through enough this evening? But boss, none of this. I said can it, Donna. Fine. Sorry, madam. Not at all. (laughs) Now, when you first came down the stairs, the front door was straight in front of you and closed shut, correct? Yes, why do you... Please leave the questions to the professionals. So, did you notice anything unusual about it? Unusual? Like what? Oh, I don't know. How about the door's lock? Was it broken? Any broken glass on the floor? No. What about the kitchen? No, I already told you. So forced entry is unlikely. I would say more like impossible. What are you insinuating? Now, Titty, ain't I, you have no idea who might have done this to you. Maybe one of those ex-wives hired some muscle. Maybe. No, all his ex-wives are already dead. Any living relatives with a grudge? Or friends turned enemies? No, Charles was an orphan. He never had any family. As for enemies, why, Charles never left the company of a man till he possessed their grace. So there was no forced entry, indicating the victim knew the murderer well enough to invite them into his home. 
yet he had no enemies or family members to benefit financially from his death. Did your husband have a will? No, he, he didn't trust lawyers. So then you inherit all of his estate through intestacy. Thus circumventing the prenup. I don't understand. I came here for your help. Oh, come on, Titania. Even a platinum blonde like you should be able to put it together. You have no alibi. You were the only one with the opportunity to knock him off. And a motive to do so. This is absurd. How can you? Yep. Looks like somebody stitched you up good. Good a friend job as I've ever seen. What? Oh, oh, thank goodness. I got to thinking that maybe you thought I... Oh, please. It's way too obvious. That must be a genius pulling the strings, and I bet they're fixing to put that last string around that pretty neck of yours. I'm so glad you believe my side of the story, Mr. O'Hara. Before we discuss how we proceed, might I use the bathroom? Through the door you came in on the left. Thank you. Boss, what the hell has gotten into you? Listen, you've been in this business as long as I have. Or is it her you want to get into, huh? Hey! We've been playing this game for well over a decade now, you or I. But can't you see everything points to her? I never admit it to her face, but Donna had a point. The case against my client was strong. Too strong, too perfect. This is the kind of case any boy in blue could knock out after a few hours and still be on a second bottle by midday. This is clearly the work of a professional. Someone who knew how to stitch someone up and leave none of the stuffing poking out. Uh, Frank? And the question was, who? Who could benefit? And why? Why frame Tidania? Beautiful. Rich. Voluptuous. Frank! Damn it, Donna, I'm trying to think. Keep trying, Mr. O'Hara. I can assure you it's pointless. Tidania, what do you think you're doing with that gun? <laughs> Isn't it obvious? I would have thought that the city's greatest detective would have figured it out by now. <laughs> You kill us and then frame Frank for the murder. How astute. I had heard of the legendary Frank O'Hara's weakness for women, but this, this is even more pathetic than I could have imagined. (laughs) I was going to bring you back to my new house and kill you there, but when I saw the open cardboard box filled with guns and ammunition in the bathroom corridor, hell, I just couldn't help myself. Damn it, Donna, I thought I told you to scotch tape that box closed weeks ago. Sorry, boss. It must have slipped my mind. Yeah, well, next time I tell you to do something, it better not. Next time? <laughs> Maybe you didn't hear your little apprentice, Frank. There's not going to be a next time. So, any last requests before I kill you? Or maybe I should kill her first. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I do, Titania. The first thing I'll say is not a request. It's a fact. Donna is going to walk out of here unharmed. <laughs> I don't think you're in any position. Next, I'm going to finish this whiskey in front of me. And what I do, you're going to lead me through how you plan to frame me step by step. And why would I do that? Because you're an amateur. And I'm a pro. <laughs> Without my help, you can't be sure you get away with it. And why would you help me? Because you hired me to do a job. And even if that job is to go down as a patsy, I'm damn well going to make sure that I go down doing the job right. 
Oh, how sweet of you. Secondly, not only does Donna walk out, she gets a 20% slice of the action. You'll need her to testify against me. If she corroborates your story, then you're golden. If she's a body in my office, and people will start asking questions, Titania. And you're going to shape up to be quite the answer. Hmm. If she'll agree, I'll consider 10. 20, and not a percent less. Donna, if anyone asks you had a case of diarrhea and were glued to the toilet seat all night, go to the doctor tomorrow and get a... Frank, boss, no, I can't. Damn it, Donna, you were in the toilet all night, capiche? Well, this is very touching and all, but... I'm afraid you have an appointment with your maker, Frank, and I can't imagine that he likes to be kept waiting. You can wait the length of a cigarette, at least. Hmm. So here's how it's going to go down. You got my corpse and my fingerprints on the murder weapon. You tell the police I was hired by your husband to spy on you because he suspected infidelity. That will draw suspicion on me. It will. I tell the investigating officer who takes one look at those baby blues of yours. Give him the lashes, the legs, the works. You'll realize that any man couldn't be anything but fearful of losing you. Then when you came up clean, I was going to get cut off. I killed your husband, tried to cut my losses. Only you didn't know I was upstairs. Exactly. I panic. You see me clean the scene of the crime. I have to stop what I'm doing. I take you back to here to have my wicked way with you. But you managed to distract me. Get a gun and... Shoot you three times in the body and once in the temple. Thanks for the advice, Frank, but I think I got it from here. Ah, but just one thing you've forgotten about, Tidiana. And what might that be? You can't go straight for the king while a queen is still on the board, bitch. What the hell was that? Me? Saving your life? For which you're welcome, by the way. No, I mean, a chess analogy? You kill someone and the best quip you can come up with is a chess analogy? What's wrong with chess? Oh, for God's sake, Donna, you don't even know how to play. How many times have I told you that when you kill someone, the quips should draw its humor from your own personal character or, or the circumstances of the kill? What have I told you about shooting people in the back? She had a gun pointed at your head. What was I meant to do? Politely ask her to turn around? What did I say, Donna? The only thing a detective does from behind someone's back is undress a lady. I got to think this whole internship thing was a mistake. I'd worked alone for years now. In my heart of hearts, I knew I was a lone wolf, a solitary soldier who... Are you kidding me? It seemed something done, but whatever it was, it wasn't a P.I. I mean, the woman couldn't spend a monologue of her life depending on her. Frank? It looked like I had to skip town again. I pondered where I would wander to next in this grim yet grand adventure that we call life. One thing I knew was that... Frank! Was that little Miss Linecutter was not going to be joining me. I knew this was a one-man show anyway. The only thing a partner was good for was an extra set of fingerprints on her. Little did he realize how imperiled his life would become due to his inability to stop spouting claptrap at critical junctures. I walked into his new office and it was just like old days. Right down to the dead hooker on the floor. Seemed like the only change he was capable of making was switching from blondes to brunettes. I looked into the one good eye of a man I thought I'd never see again. I remembered how I always hated being wrong. I thought to myself, how long had I waited for this moment? How far from the brink of death had I come to stand here? To get revenge on the man who'd wronged me all those years ago. My mouth wetted. 
anticipation, all those years of planning, relentlessly searching for him. And now, to see him before me, cornered like the rat he truly was. An animal metaphor. <laughs> that has trademark lack creativity written all over it. Man can never resist slipping into cliché. Then I realized, for all his brilliance as a detective, his shoddiness and monologue would always be his. Always criticism, never praise. And that was his mantra. Never anything constructive, never anything positive to say. I knew I could never live up to his expectations because he would always move the bar higher once I got close to sailing over it and crashing victorious onto the mat below. Straight to sports. My God! Was my brilliance as a master sleuth tragically marked to be untransferable? Well, I never lived to raise one young detective capable of... Can someone please explain what the hell is going on here? This is Winston, my former apprentice. And your future killer. I thought of all I had sacrificed for him. I had beaten, stolen, murdered. I had lost an eye, but worse, my soul. And what thanks do I get? What compensation for our ruined adolescence? I should have sold those jewels on the black market when I had the chance. I could have been rich. Those diamonds belonged in a museum. Well, they ended up after you auctioned them off for millions. I told you, Winston, a private collector could never meet the price of a government backed. Oh, come now. We both know the market for high carat diamonds has exploded since. Guys, guys, this is getting us nowhere. Wait, hold the phone. You're a millionaire? <laughs> He made a fortune back in 09 at my expense. I had been serving as his loyal understudy for three years. I hadn't been plucked from my previous role as a conveniently informative shoeshine. The second I laid eyes on him, I knew his talents were being wasted in polishing. So I took him out of my wing, put a roof over his head and a pistol in his hand. And then came the investigation of the case of a missing princess in East Africa. It's a riveting yet, admittedly, long tale, peppered with romantic entanglements, adventure, and several perilous accounts. But to cut it short, we... Oh my god, don't care. If you are so rich, why do we work in this crap hole? And why haven't I gotten paid anything? I told you, Donna, no amount of dimes can change me from being a hard-boiled private eye. It's not money I'm here to talk about. It's revenge. I'm going to kill Mick. Frame him for murder, and then after that, I'm going wait, to... Wait, wait, Mick? He said your name was Frank. He changes his name every time he skips town. Mick O'Connor. Finian O'Toole. There's not even a drop of Irish blood in him. What? Why? Oh, come on. Who ever heard of a Jewish detective? Shut up! Mick, you're not going to keep talking until some convenient plot twist turns up to save you. I'm going to kill you. But first... Maybe I'll make you watch my successor die in front of your eyes. Now, hold on. Damn it, Winston, your beef was with me. Leave the girl out of it. And now that I know how much you care, why should I? So she can go running to the police and start singing like a... Start singing like a... Like a bird. Fine, that will do. Start singing like a bird. You train me too well to that little detail like that to slip by. But I'm more valuable to you alive. Think about it, Winston. What would really piss off Frank or Mick or whoever the hell he really is more than anything? I'm not sure I follow. What if he died knowing that the two apprentices he raised with his own hands were going to survive him? 
inherit his millions, take everything he taught them, and... Donna, you two-timing... Oh, shut it, Frank. I'm so sick of cleaning up your messes. It's time I learned from a real man. I work alone, sweetheart. I don't need a partner to babysit or split the check with. Every part of my body trembled. But it wasn't fear that had me quivering. The future dawned in front of me like the sun, and I was blinded by the white pastel beauty of my destiny. I thought of how I would finally break free of the incompetence of that two-bit chump Frank, and have a true man I could look to as my master. Someone who could teach me everything there was to know about being a detective, about being hard-boiled, and even about being... A woman. Hmm. I was starting to like the sound of this. I'd come here for vengeance, but got to thinking I could find so much more. A new life. A new start. I had spent so long thinking about the death of Mick O'Connor that I had forgotten about the life of Winston E. Chesterfield! Jesus! Bleeding Christ, Frank! A head up wouldn't go amiss. Sorry to cut you off, Winston, but you never could get to the point. (laughs) Oh, really? That's the best you could come up with? Save for the road. Right now we got a case to solve. The cops will be here any minute. Not before we discuss exactly how many of your millions it's going to take to keep me quiet about... You'll be taken care of, don't you worry. So anything that's went down... Satisfied wife? Hmm. Detective lover. They return from murdering her wealthy husband. They celebrate with a drink. Get some of her lipstick on a cigarette too for good measure. He starts having cold feet. He goes to leave to tell the cops. In a panic, she stabs him repeatedly in the back, drops the knife here. Because she's left-handed. Nice. Uh Uh-huh. But she's never done it before, so she leaves him dying, not dead. He pulls out his gun and, with his last bit of strength, shoots her in the back of the head. And I think that just about wraps it up. You forgot the most important thing. What's that? The happy ending. Come here, beautiful. got to be kidding me. People have died, Frank. The blood's still pumping out of that tramp's head, for Christ's sake. And you've got corpse DNA all over my new suit. Great, Frank. Just great. She stormed out, I had to admit. I might have been wrong about Donna. She had shown the can of the seasoned sailor in a storm that reminded me of a younger, more female version of myself. Maybe she would make it as a detective after all. And that concludes our radio play Hard Boiled. Big thank you to Jonathan Shorthall for writing such a fantastic 
entertaining piece. And thank you to the players, Kate, Malcolm, Declan and Charlotte for taking part. You guys did a wonderful job as always. Just a reminder that our next episode of Curtain Call will be on the 8th of November. And I'll be chatting with Noel Murphy about the art of monologue acting and presentation. Thank you for listening to the second episode and our Play Hard Boiled. And thank you for listening to our first episode. If you haven't done so yet, it's not too late. We are available on all the popular streaming services. Thank you to everyone who did listen so far. We managed to get to number three on Apple's art and performing arts ranking lists. And don't forget, we have our upcoming Autumn Shindig on Halloween. It will be streamed live on YouTube premiere from 7.30 on Halloween night. It's going to be really exciting. Just some fantastic pieces being submitted and I know you're going to enjoy every one of them. Our workshops are also continuing online every Tuesday night from 7 o'clock. Please feel free to drop by. We have some fantastic ideas and fantastic fun every single week with the best facilitators in the whole damn world. I shall leave you this time with one of the most comical portrayals of satire regarding a detective piece in the same genre as something we've just performed tonight. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you very much for listening to Curtain Call, a no drama podcast. Hope you can join us next time. Peace out and good luck. I couldn't believe it was her. It was like a dream. But there she was, just like I remembered her. That delicately beautiful face and a body that could melt a cheese sandwich from across the room. And breasts that seemed to say... Hey, look at these. She was the kind of woman that made you want to drop to your knees and thank God you were a man. Yeah. She reminded me of my mother, all right, no doubt about it. Frank, snap out of it. You're looking at her like she was your mother, for Christ's sake.